Uh, this episode's a little late coming out. I recorded it a couple weeks ago, but I think it's well-timed. Uh, Jason's going to be having the carbon summit here shortly. Um, he's just a super amazing guy. Reached out to him through LinkedIn, and we toured around Boise to look at some of our uh, grass-fed beef projects with cover crops, um, a huge agrobotetics project where a farmer is using uh, solar panels to power a pump for his crops. I didn't know it was called agrobotetics until I had Jason along. He was absolutely great with my son Richard, um, was a real asset to the entire day, um, and he just has an amazing story an amazing transformation from going from uh, entertainment and an, a completely different industry to sort of a social type of entertainment form, educational form. This his transition has just been amazing. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. We didn't get to talk about half the stuff that is interesting about Jason or half the stuff that he's working on. He's just got that much going on and just like I said, amazing conversation, amazing story. So awesome. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. I think it's uh, pretty good for the third post podcast out of the gate. Okay. Looks like we're recording. Um, welcome to the third episode of the Ranch Range podcast. And um, I had the pleasure of meeting our guest sort of just randomly about three months ago, and we went on a little uh, carbon exploration of some cover crops that we were working on with the grass, some of the grass-fed cattle, and I uh, knew that Jason was working on uh, a thing called the Carbon Summit, which I'll have him explain here in a little bit, but um, yeah, so my guest is Jason Marvin, and uh, we're going to talk about um, carbon, regenerative agriculture, and a whole plethora of stuff, but Thought we'd start with uh, Jason giving a little bit of his history, and I think it's sort of important for to get a handle on his history because this is a pattern that I see in regenerative agriculture quite a bit as far as the people that are diving into regenerative agriculture from the oil and gas world. And I think that it's a really good, it's something that's really positive if it's framed the correct way because uh, it's such an innovative industry, and I think that a lot of uh, alternative energy could use a lot of the similar mindsets of what is in oil and gas. And that may sound contradictory, but um, I think it's really true. So, Jason, I'll let you uh, take it off from here. Well, thanks for inviting me on the, the podcast. We had that little Idaho excursion, and that was, uh, what was that, three months ago now? Yeah. Well, we went out to Grandview and kind of checked out your operations and you kind of brought me up to speed with what was going on. And yeah, we kind of, you know, connected around, I guess, a little, little backstory. Me, I'm from Northwest North Dakota, um, Williston, Boomtown, USA. And um, I guess to, to date myself, I'm, I, I, I graduated in 05. And that was, you know, kind of just before the, you know, a couple of years before the boom really took off. And uh, I, I'm I'm actually sitting in a in a yoga studio in the back right now. I'm on a little um, retreat in Flagstaff, so I got my undergrad here in in uh, at Northern Arizona University, and so, a couple of my best friends still you know live here, and you know one of them his wife owns this the the Foundry Flagstaff. You know, give a little shout out to them. 
they've been uh, amazing hosts for me. But uh, Northern Arizona is really, you know, an, an awesome place to come and like hang out, especially in May. If, if you've ever been to Flagstaff, it's at 7,000 feet. And, you know, just the environment here is, um, you know, really pleasant. You know, people are got pretty good culture here. Um, but uh, yeah, a little, little background after, after I did my undergrad and environmental administration policy, some sustainability stuff, uh, I went back to North Dakota and got into the oil field. And I had a brief stint before I left um, to Arizona. I, I made it, uh, I think, a month and a half uh, doing workover rigs. And uh, my, my pusher was an app, uh, a jerk. And um, he, he, was, he was kind of brutal on me. And so um, just from a, a cultural standpoint, I didn't get, you know, a, a real good um, a taste of the oil field because it was like, oh, you know, like we'll train you. We'll, we'll bring you on. We'll teach you the ropes. And then you get out there and you got this, you know, the, this guy, the little angry guy um, who's like, hey, like I'm just trying to learn, man. Like I don't know this stuff. You expect me to haul ass? And like I'm, I'm trying. I'm, my, my shirt is soaked. And so um, anyway, I ended up running myself off and, and um, <laughs> uh, I got my I got my hand pinched between some pipe and a Wrangler. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to college. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, from there I, I came back and um, ironically enough, I was I was a baseball player in junior college and um, I, was, I was asked to play some softball. And it was actually for a Baker Hughes team and uh, their their tool hand managers. Uh, we're, we're out there on the team and I, I played and they're like, oh, we want to hire you for a position. We got one just for you. And uh, anyway, I started with tools and I worked my way into health, safety, environmental, um, just because of my educational background. And I did two years during the height of the boom um, as the HSE guy. Um, for a year of it, I was the only guy. And that has a kind of a long backstory, but it was it was more like Baker saying, hey, we're going to bring you in under this mentor and we're going to train you up. And, you know, it was a very similar thing. And then three weeks into my job, my mentor quits and uh, they don't hire anybody back. So my boss is in Denver, you know, greenhorn guy trying to, you know, tell people how to do their job. And so it was a trial by fire, I guess you could say. And so, you know, first year was just a ton of learning and just trying to, you know, have that training and that compliance, you know, those. I handled like new new hire orientations, and so I was pretty much the first guy that that really these these um, these new hires and or these transfers in the oil field got to experience of of Baker and some left and they came back and you know we were real, we were really trying to build a culture there uh, or I guess I was <laughs> and uh, so we had uh, eleven district managers for each of the product lines you know from uh, whether it's bits uh, tools um, frac you know pumping pumping services or you know upstream chemicals or water management like whatever it was i mean we had just we did everything and so i really got to uh, learn about the entire industry from just that one position and so it opened my eyes on a lot of things and so i ended up after my second year i, I kind of got burnt out um, i didn't feel like i was getting the support that i that i needed because i had watford williston and minot and there was, I think at the time, we had like 1,400 employees or, or something along those lines. And, you know, standards, like you have like 400 employees to like one safety guy. And so they ended up bringing up a, a guy in, in Bismarck or uh, Dickinson. And so from there, um, in 2014, after I left, I was like, 
well, there's this need in the community for for events and entertainment, and people were, you know, dying. You know, they're they're crying out for it. They're like, we need something to do. Like, all we do is work. And, uh, <laughs> so one summer, we were we were talking to uh, when I say we, me and my dad, uh, Dr. Roland Marmon. And so he was on, you know, he was before he became a you know professional student, I guess you could say, he worked on you know drilling rigs. And so that's where he kind of grew up in, in the 80s boom and um, the, you know, some of the wild times that were there and, you know, that little get her done mentality really worked well for the 80s. And so in the, you know, the, the late 2000 or mid 2010s, um, a lot of those things were, were changing. And so the old guard was having to learn those old dogs were having to learn new tricks. And so we were like, well, let's, let's bring in some entertainment. So we got a hold of Travis Stritz people. And that was one of our first shows where, you know, we were we were able to identify a, a community sponsorship model that was almost like public corporate relations. And then we realized that if we started adding like golf tournaments or fishing tournaments, uh, which we, we learned a tough lesson on a fishing tournament one time where we did two concerts and then we ended up having to pay the fishermen late because we were waiting on some money to come in. And, oh, they freaked. They freaked out. Yeah. On us, so. Um, it took like another week to, to get, get some paid out and yeah, that, that rumor mill just got going right away. And, and so we, yeah, we learned some tough lessons along the way. Um, but then, you know, we did an event in, um, Colorado and Greeley with Charlie Daniels and we interviewed the governor there. And then we did an event in Odessa with Blackhawk. And then we ended up partnering uh, with the PBR with Marquis Metalworks in 2019 and so it's been, I think we're, you know, this, the Carbon Summit event that we're going to be doing is, I think it's our 12th large scale event since like 2014. And it's been a long, it's been a long ride. I mean, like when I think we're over a little over a million dollars raised in, in corporate sponsorship, most of that had to go back to like these headlining artists. Uh, but now we're getting into a model that's more like social impact based. And, and that's kind of, you know, I, I guess I could put some context behind the Carbon Summit, and so in 2019 we had uh, we had three like pretty big events going on, and we just had a ton of momentum. People were coming on board saying, "Hey, we we really like this." You know, we had workforce development things. We were building public awareness. We were, you know, working on um, you know identifying some of the challenges and in, in the industrial you know kind of complex or the or the oil and gas world, and so we were on our way to Houston. But 2020 hits, all that momentum is gone. And so in 2020, we got introduced to, or I got introduced to Gabe Brown and, and his crew. You know, and Gabe's like, hey, you know, kind of heard about what you guys are doing. Uh, how about you come out to my ranch and I'll, I'll uh, you know, teach you a little bit about regenerative egg. Um, I'm like, okay. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I grew up with buddies on, on the ranch and on the farm. I almost got ran over one time. Uh, by a bull, uh, I, had, I had one of my best friends, and you know, when I was growing up, he's on a four wheeler. His dad's in a truck, and I'm on foot. I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to cut this this bull out. Who, who who's this guy going to go after? <laughs> Me. Um, so I'm trying to cut him off, and he comes right at me. And luckily, I I like slipped on a you know a dirt mound or a cactus or something. And I I did a backwards um, somersault, and he went down and just just missed me. And, and so uh, my buddy's like, you got so lucky. He almost, he almost ran you over. And so that was, that was a big lesson in ranching that I learned is, uh, 
don't be the guy on your feet uh, against yeah. a, a bull in the, the wrong pasture. Yeah. And Unless so, you're really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I just seen him kind of just freeze. Like, I'm like, oh, he's coming towards me and he's fast. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah. So I uh, got, got asked to come out to Gabe's ranch and he showed me everything he was doing. And then we, you know, we brought a film crew out there. Actually, that that video on regenerative egg, I put it up in in the middle of January, and it's got sixty thousand views right now. Holy cow! And so that thing is just kind of, you know, almost like a thousand people a day watch that video. And I never thought that that was going to happen. I just, you know, thought Gabe was North Dakota legendary kind of guy, and which he is. Yeah. Um, then he's like, you know, hey, I'm doing the Soil Health Academy in Caldwell in September. It's like, I know you're living out in Boise. How about you be my guest to that? I'm like, sure. And that was at McIntyre Farms um, last September. And it was the same weekend that Kiss the Ground came out. Or it was the same week or the same day. The second day of that uh, Soil Health Academy was the day Kiss the Ground came out. So I'm learning all these things about regenerative egg. And then I watched Kiss the Ground. I'm going, aha. You know, that was an aha moment for me. And then... Um, from a pivot in events in, in North Dakota, I was like, well, you know, I can really talk about neutral oil and gas challenges, you know, or energy system transition transitions, you know, or the, even the engineering pieces behind that, you know, we can kind of talk about some circular economy. We can call, talk about cultural behaviors, a lot of the things that we really wanted to get to, you know, but the oil and gas industry is just now, you know, ready to talk about those things. Yeah, in a way that's non-confrontational, in a way that's opportunity-based, and it's like this is happening. Like you can either get on board or just get out of the way, you know. And so I've never been in that position to talk to the industry like that, you know. And so the collective conscious, I guess, or, or society, is now saying, "Hey, we need to address these things because you know climate change, um, you know weather patterns. Like a lot of things are changing much faster than we anticipated." Yes. And so the adaptation and just being the preparedness, it doesn't matter who's to blame for it. It like if you're in an industry that is, you know, a higher polluter or, you know, has more externalities, like you still need to have these conversations, you know, just because yeah. they're not they're, they're not easy to have doesn't mean that you shouldn't participate in them. And that's, you know, we've actually had the, early on in our, our events career like there'd be a certain anger if a company wouldn't want to get involved or they didn't get back to you. And now it's like, well, they just aren't ready or, or there's not enough value for them or you're not, you know, addressing their pain points. And so it's, it's been a lot of maturity, I guess, having to um, understand that from an emotional standpoint, um, oil and gas is really market-based, you know, so it's the consumer is voting on what they believe in. And so that takes your emotion out of it when you look at it like that. Because it's like, well, um, what are you subscribing to? Like, do you drive? Do you, do you fly? Do you, you know, do you use uh, specific products? Um, and so that's that's where where the genesis of the Carbon Summit happened was really meeting Gabe Brown, who's a fellow North Dakotan, and I was already me and my father were already doing these these type of events, and so it was like a real synergistic, serendipitous kind of thing. Um, for those of you religious, it's like divine, uh, in a sense. And so I, I, I truly believe that because it's like, if, if we're going to, we're going to work towards sustainable solutions, you have to have hope that you can actually, you know, 
cause some positive change. And so um, the, the branding and the messaging has, we've made so many mistakes over the years, you know, by whether or saying a, a post wrong or, you know, being too political on something. So we learned that, like, I, I'm not a politician and I don't really want to be one, um, <laughs> but the politicians are very important in the conversation. And it should be in their interest to really work with the stakeholders and the communities that are trying to make stuff happen. And so that's where we want to try to bridge that gap. That's what U.S. Energy, our, our mission is sustainable system design coordination. And so you have all these pockets and all these groups doing great work, but it's still a kind of a competition-based model, you know, yeah. to where we're focused on collaboration, cooperation, intergenerational communication. And so that's where we designed the, the, the Carbon Series Trilogy with Carbon Summit being the first event in Idaho. The second event is going to be the U.S. Energy Summit, and that'll be in New Mexico. Um, I can't quite give you all the details to that yet because uh, we're still working out the, the, you know, some of the, the, the fine print things. Um, the third event is the Carbon Global event, and we're, we're um, partnering with the, the Hague Convention Bureau in um, the Netherlands. And if you're familiar with the Netherlands, you know, they have some of the best culture in the world. They're ahead on transportation, they're leading agriculture. And culturally, I really appreciate, you know, kind of the, who they are in the sense that, you know, they're happy people, they're very intelligent, you know, all, most of them speak four languages or more, you know, so we can, we can use some of that here in the United States because we're not the only ones on the planet. Although right. most of the time we think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so it's it's okay to to work with those guys. It's like I, I was over there in December of nineteen, and I got to really kind of I spent a, like two weeks there, and uh, it was over Christmas time. So I got to really see you know Saint Nick is you know that's that's he's he's Dutch, and so Christmas is a very big deal over there. And I just really I uh, was like, well, if we're going to do an event over here, we started talking to some of the you know the stakeholders, and when we talked to the convention bureau, they're like, we want you to do this event here. I was like, that is drastically different culture than in the United States. That's where that's never happened. You know, I was like, we're, we're coming. You're like, don't like how much, how much money do I need to raise? You know, how, like, what do you guys want me to do? And then they're like, well, do you need speakers? Do you need sponsors? Do you need some partners? And I'm like, yes, that from a cultural standpoint, the United States and the Netherlands need to work because they, you know, they're English speaking. And so, that's a real advantage for a dummy that like me who only knows one uh, language. <laughs> I wish uh, I would have. Uh, there's still time, I guess you can say, but um, yeah. yeah, let's. What well, do you know, North Dakota? Dakota? What's that? You know, North Dakota. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, oftentimes <laughs> it's funny, like when I tell people, like I'm I'm from North Dakota, like oh, I never met anybody from North Dakota. I'm like, well, oftentimes we don't leave, and if we do, it's it's you know it's minnesota south dakota montana or arizona you know yeah, like that's yeah. that's our safety zone you know in there some you get some outliers now and again florida i think too you know but um try, well, try to escape with the Balkan, they're sort of you guys are sort of more everywhere now i've ran in north dakotans offshore so that's that's true yeah. well in oil and gas then you then you include louisiana texas um ohio you know, Pennsylvania, Wyoming, um, yeah. California's pretty kind of off limits um, for a lot yeah. of North Dakotans. 
Uh, <laughs> not too blue out there, I think. Uh, I don't mind California. You know, I just no, we, wonky, wonky politics. We should embrace the brotherhood and everything that you're you're spawning on through this, and not pick on California. <laughs> well, you know, they deserve a little picking on um, for the fact that they're the, they're the nation's leading economy. And if there's going to be, you know, just like kind of like Texas, you know, Texas is the energy capital and they got their stuff breaking down and malfunctioning and they're supposed to be the, you know, the, the capital leaders in the United States. And it's like, come on, Texas, you know, and, yep. and then, and then California is the same way. Like you're the biggest agricultural state. So it's like, can we trust you guys leading these things when, you know, like you're the biggest players. Yeah, California is a country, it'd be the fifth largest producer of food in the world. For sure. And yeah. That's where they have to work together. You have to collaborate. You have to be able to speak to generations, especially the younger ones. I don't and want to hijack this. And I, like I said, I don't want to uh, um, pick on California too much, but there's an interesting statistic that I learned at a uh, – the region friends conference that I went to last year and uh, what it was was and this was the lady that runs runs the ag program for this different state schools in California and the first statistic was this um 80% of all the water comes from the Shasta water shed in California of the state budget they have less than 0.002% of the revenue generated by taxes that go back into that watershed and I was like, that's mind blowing. That is like one of the most critical things that keeps your entire state propped up and you're making no, and that's, that's where it goes into the region and the carbon and everything. Water is so critical. And so like you said before, this is why it's important now to start having these conversations, especially with the emergence of Gabe Brown and kiss the ground and stuff, but it's on people's minds. Yeah, I mean that—that's where you're you're being forced to have to um, take some action in some sort, and so you might as well do something you care about. And that's why we have the you know the carbon summit features what we call the Seed Show, and Seeds is an analogy and an acronym. The acronym being sustainability. Well, I put it in the hand. So sustainability, energy, education, diversity, and safety. And so you're you're literally planting these seeds and growing community, and well, we kind of break those pillars down and regenerative agriculture is one that crosses all five. And so that's a multiplier, right? So if, if you shift, um, you know, the consciousness towards adopting and supporting the people who are doing regenerative agriculture, you're going to grow that you're going to catalyze that system. And you can, you can do that across and that's a principle, right? So energy transition engineering, you know, like if we're going to transition to a sustainable or, um, a renewable or even a, a hybrid mix that, that we're going towards, you know, like you need the, the oil and gas players to really adopt this uh, in order for it to become mainstream. And they're, they're slowly doing it, but um, I've, I've totally feel oil and gas is undervalued mm -hmm. uh, because of the tremendous work and the, the energy um, outcomes that, that it produces. And so we need to not value oil and gas like it's going to be here forever, you know, to where we know we have 50 years left. And that's, you know, that's not a lot. Like, so you got kids, you know, I'd like to have kids someday and they're going to have a drastically different economy than what we grew up in or what we transitioned into. And so that's just, that's just a fact. 
And like, there's some things that you can dispute and you can debate. Um, and then there's other things that you have to just say it as a fact and you have to, you know, talk about what those consequences will be. Yep. And, you know, the states, there's some states that have a lot more impact on that and in, in, the, in the transition, you know, Texas being one, California being another, North Dakota being another one, even New Mexico. You know, it's like to where all those can be prototyping states, you know, to where you can deploy some of these sustainable solutions and then you can share that information on what's working. And, and the other interesting thing between all those states that you mentioned, they uh, are all big in agriculture also. For sure. Colorado's in there. Wyoming's yeah, in there. There's this, this crossover. There's this natural synergy that's already there, but uh, pitted. Uh, I want to go back to something. I do want to dive in more deeply into the carbon summit uh, structure and uh, some of the people you have talking. But um, when I started down the regenerative ranching path and um, really doing a deep dive into it and learning just amazing, I uh, started hearing about this social impact or uh, impact investing. And you mentioned that you had transitioned from the entertainment venue to the social impact. And I would say that by doing so and how much success you've seen in the uh, with the Carbon Summit, even before it started already, I, I, when I think I originally talked to you, maybe you were thinking about having another event. Now you got three pretty firm events that you're going to have. Yeah. So. I would say that you've done something that I have not seen much in impact investing or social impact. You've actually germinated a seed of an idea, taken it to a place where you're going to execute upon that idea. And I find that a lot of this social impact, social investing never gets to that point where it gets executed. So I was just interested on how you saw that trend and how you navigated it through it because you are doing what so many people are trying to do. You know, uh, a lot of people often, what, what I see, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I say people who try to do an events-based model or even a, a social impact model, even non, other nonprofits, it's you oftentimes um, put the, the prototype ahead and saying, if we have the money, we can build this. And we've taken the stance of we're building the infrastructure and we're inviting you to help us catalyze this. And that took a long time to get to of, of realizing that you, you have to build the vehicle. The, the event is a vehicle, you know, that just delivers a message. And are we've been crafting this message on, on how do we align, you know, how do we like with corporations, like they're very regimented and they're very hierarchical like to where if you want to work with them, you need to provide them that you, you got to check the boxes to what they can get approved corporately. And so we had to add, you know, workforce development, um, marketing and advertising. We had to do job fairs. You know, we had to build community awareness. We had to, you had to have this multifaceted approach to engaging with the corporations because they're very controlled narrative wise and they don't deviate a whole lot outside of their core functions. And so, you have to like that's why we have the seeds principle that covers you know a holistic systems you know when i say systems it's almost more like a, a community or an ecosystem mm -hmm. um, you have to divide something for a little bit something for everybody um, because you know agriculture and energy although they're synergies they're very different in how they speak mm 
just like a law firm and a nonprofit um, speak totally different languages as well. So you kind of have to, you got to try to find a blend of, of trying to have a message that kind of reaches uh, multiple industries, numerous stakeholders, and you, you want to, you know, attract some partners that um, unfortunately the only way to, you know, to attract some people is you got to do like agency style or, or business development things, you know, for them so they can check those boxes. And we, we've really turned it into a, a community approach. Like, so, all right, if, if you want this the business development or agency style work, you know, we need to have you align that with community development or, or, or a philanthropic um, type of association that is community building. And a lot of these companies, like they can work on their own culture and they can work with us which would, would not only help that culture, but it helps their, their entire community and their ecosystem. And that can get a little convoluted. I mean, it can, it can get a little complex when you get really into the nuts and bolts of it, you know, but three events that have really this very similar messaging, they're the same, you know, infrastructure and it's just, you know, kind of different speakers. So we're building a template that we know is going to work and we know that we can grow and catalyze and then, other organizations can come in and attach to this vehicle and ride with us. You know what I mean? And so you really got to take the, the, the competition out of it and say, Oh, you cut, even if you do something similar, I was like, we can still work together because you have a story to tell. I'm, you know, we're, we're, we're heading this direction. You guys are heading, you know, similar, uh, a similar way. So how can we, how can we work together to amplify those efforts? And it's very quite, I mean, it's quite simple when you boil it down. Yeah. <laughs> that, Even though, the essence of boiling something into something simple is often a very complicated process, though. Yeah. It's a, it's a you know, eight years. Yeah. The Japanese call it the five whys. They, uh, you, they, you make a statement, they ask why. Then you refine the statement, you ask why. And then when you get to that last thing, it is boiled down to the simplest solution typically yeah, yeah. you know it, a tagline boils down to four ours ours does um sustainable system design coordination and it took yeah. a long time to get to even that boiled down like you were saying the five whys i wish somebody would have told me that in 2014 um <laughs> uh, about being able to boil it down but um i mean 2019 we started really seeing a clear path of like okay this model can work even though I've, I put a ton of, you know, my volunteer time, you know, a ton of just off the hours, you know, not really barely making anything, you know, but you know that you're working towards something that is worth doing. And it's like, if you can align your work with your passion and like what you really care about, it doesn't necessarily feel like work anymore. Right. Like the last six months I've, I've kind of, you know, working in Boise and Trailhead. Most of the time, I've been able to pop up in the morning without an alarm and be like, "I, right, I'm going to work on this this carbon summit. It's a big deal to me." And people are like, "Well, what's what's this carbon summit? You know, what what even is it? Like, what are you trying to do? Is it climate change or what is it?" I'm like, "I just want to bring. I just know doing events and you bring a bunch of people around that know what they're talking about and they care. Good things will happen." Yep. And it boils down to that. Yep. So who? So what's the format and like who do you have slated to speak at the one that you're going to kick it off with in Idaho? 
Sure. Um, yeah, we really focused on, uh, so I can walk you through the five pillars, right? So sustainability, we're, we got, we're taking that sustainable ag, you know, regenerative ag as, as really the, the, the stake of, of where we're laying a claim, I guess you could say of, we think this is really important as, I mean, 2% of the, the United, United States population is in the agriculture, you know, sector feeding the rest of us. And so it's like, well, if, if, if you're looking at that as like, if there's any breakdowns that happen or anything that doesn't go right, that's not a whole lot of people that are providing us all the food. And so they need to be, you know, they need to be uh, coddled is not the right word, but supported, you know, <laughs> yeah. in, in the sense of like, Hey, we, we appreciate you guys. Um, and we appreciate the fact that you're trying to make the quality as, as good as you can. And there's a lot of opportunities to, really connect farmers and ranchers to their local restaurants, to their local grocery stores, you know, to even to, even with fast food at some point in time, you know, so the, from the development standpoint, a lot of farmers and ranchers kind of struggle with turning your operation into a brand or, or stacking enterprises uh, like Gabe would say. And so trying to provide resources that, you know, really have, have conversations that make it easier to ask for help, you know, because, you know, farmers and, and ranchers, oftentimes it's like, hey, I, you know, I do it myself. Like anything that I need done, I, I just do it. And if it's, you know, online or, you know, it's creating a website and things like that, those those things are very difficult. You know, even <laughs> like I, I don't make my own stuff. I can't. I used to and it wasn't very good. Um, and so I, you know, I, I try to. I try to get every anything that I'm not good at. I, you know, I export it out, you know, or I, uh, you know, contract it out, and that works out great because you build relationships, you build partnerships. It's like, oh, you know, you help me out. What can I do for you? You know, and that yeah. that works, and that that's a kind of a natural law of, of energy, is that if it's given, pe people feel kind of compelled or inclined to give it back. I think as you can. Uh like with this podcast, my goal is to get people that are better at this medium than I am eventually to help me along the path, because that's really where I learn the most is through the people that sort of have, they can, they can see your vision, but they can also attach their vision of it also to it. And then it helps you see through a window that your, your mind might be blocked to. And it opens up, I find it opens up a whole bunch of, that's why I love podcasts so much. Is because you so many different perspectives, and it's always uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I interrupted you on your five pillars. Okay. So yeah. Um, so in sustainability, you know, we uh, it was only right that I used a Gabe partner uh, or Gabe's uh, main partner Ray Archuleta. I should say main, but a partner. Um, and I call him Uncle Ray, you know, because when I met him, like he just like came up like embraced me like he knew me for a long time um you, you know kind of has one of those uncle ray personalities and uh he's like yeah if you got any questions you know just here's my card you know give me a call um and so when he was presenting i was like man this guy is awesome you know i, I feel like i know the guy i feel like he he absolutely knows what he's talking about and he's just um a, a wealth of knowledge you know so ray archuleta um he's he's kind of leading off um, the, in the, in the, the first day, you know, the opening track sustainability, then we got Curtis Elk. Uh, he's the Idaho state conservationist 
with NRCS, you know, USDA. And so he's going to be talking about climate smart agriculture. And then we have Finney and Makepeace. Um, he's the you know co-founder uh, of the Kiss the Grounds, you know, uh, documentary. And so I'm really looking forward to those three. And then we'll have some, you know, pretty exciting panelists. And, you know, we got some other people that are um, going to be sending us some of their videos that are, you know, across the, the, the globe and in like Belgium and, and um, Israel, like, like people that are working on regenerative, regenerative agricultural um, initiatives and, and, and programs. And so we're, we're really like kind of opening this thing up. And like, even when you get into energy, you know, we got um, Katie Maynard from Ally Energy talking about, she's from Houston, you know, the equi equitable energy transition um, uh, Damian Bochamp, he's the Eight Rivers Capital president out of North Carolina, you know, talking about what inclusion in the, in the new energy uh, revolution is going to look like, like how do you get people um, all working together to, to solve our energy issues. Um, yeah, and so we have a star-studded uh, lineup that we're putting together, even, you know, climate change experts, you know, carbon experts, you know, which we've yet to announce yet, but... Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked. Like I can't I can't really tell you everybody. So that's that it kind of defeats the purpose. Of, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. Yeah, but we got a good start right there. Behind the curtain. Yeah, a little <laughs> peek behind there, and um, we got you know the city of Boise looking to you know bring some people. College of Idaho has some really um, exciting new initiatives that they're you know that they're going to be rolling out, and so we have like a local, regional, national, international you know, kind of scope. And so we believe that you got to plant these seeds locally to where you can take action. But then there's, there's ways to support, you know, growing things um, that where you're not at by, you know, virtually or online or podcasts or, you know, different things like that. So we, we feel like we have the, the right vehicle, you know, and, and to put it like to where, what we think we are is that, you know, there's, there's vehicles and organizations and people doing great work. And then there's, you know, these generators, you know, that these corporations or these systems that are already, you know, they they have the load, like they're, they're the, the standard. And so we're kind of the jumper cables to try to connect those two. And um, it's, it's getting really exciting. I mean, I, 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 think I think that when you put up the carbon summit page, I was maybe the seventh person that liked it so I could follow what you're doing. And then I go back and check and it's like, I don't even know how many, I did check before the podcast, but I was, I was just on LinkedIn alone to see how fast it grew and the interest that you're able to generate in such a short amount of time. So I think that whatever you've caught, you've caught some sort of lightning. And uh, so as the event goes, goes closer and I see the, what you're putting together, I'm excited to come and actually be on the ground and, because I mean, even in the other thing that's weird is it's so few with COVID and everything. I think a lot of people are seeking out these conversations because they've been so isolated for so long. Yeah, and that's a rough one. Um, to, just to be candid with you, I, I caught COVID in July of last year in a hospital with a mask on, um, visiting my sick grandmother who caught a, an infection from the hospital and then ended up catching COVID from the hospital. And so there's some difficult conversations to be had there as well, you know, to where, you know, the science um, is not, it's not, there's no certain, it's like, it's not certain. 
Um, there's a lot of statistics that, you know, go both ways, you know, so a lot of times the media cherry picks a lot of that stuff. And so even, you know, when I was, you know, talking to the media and, you know, going through last summer's um, scenario or situation, it was, it was definitely sad, you know, but it oh, was yeah. also a resiliency piece, you know, to where um, I had to learn a lot of things, I guess, um, along the way and be like, oh yeah, life can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. And the isolation thing is, is really a, a, impacting our, I'm not all generations, I, I have to admit, you know, but our, our, I think our young people are going to experience the most mm -hmm. consequences to that. Like young, like I'm 34, I got a brother who's 16 and they're, you know, they're in a different world than when I, when I was 16, I didn't worry about politics. I didn't have all these things like smashing me in my face or on my phone all the time. Um, and so we have to be able to talk about that as well. Like what's technology's role in, you know, our, our lives. And so are, are we cyborgs since we carry a phone around <laughs> a supercomputer around us all the time? Yeah, does, does the chip need to be inside? Um, we already carry it. Yeah. So like, those are some, some, some deep conversations and maybe this, um, necessarily at the time to get into that, but uh, uh, yeah, and so a lot of what we're focusing on is is really just around the opportunities. That's that's the safest place to be. That's where you get the best feedback, um, and that's where you get good energy. And so, really, how you feel um, is kind of a reflection of kind of our environment right now, where a lot of people are scared, a lot of people are angry, and you know, our the planet reflects that. You know, I think the interesting thing is the I always caution people about just going carbon, just focusing purely on carbon because when I look at it, I look at, at it through a uh, lens of a um, rancher and I see that this part it's just one component of a huger ecosystem in the soils and the pasture and everything and um, so but the interesting thing about having a conversation around carbon is it affects us across the board. It's a, uh, and like, so we can talk about COVID and we can say, well, talking about carbon and talking, talking about pandemics is interesting because the climate, they're pretty sure that they can tie the rise in uh, um, pandemics or those type of viruses directly to how the climate is reacting and that kind of stuff. So, even carbon touches so many things, even pandemics, that it's amazing. Well, so oftentimes I, I got to explain people. It's like, well, why did you choose carbon? Like why are you staking your claim in the carbon brand or the name? And oftentimes the media talks about carbon in a climate change or global warming type of situation where we're talking about our carbon as the glue that really holds humanity together, you know, to where we're carbon-based beings. Like carbon is a, an energy um, source. It's a, it's a, an expression of energy. Like we are, you know, temporarily here, uh, living a carbon lifestyle, I guess you could say. Yeah. We're animated carbon. Yeah. We're animated carbon. <laughs> we'll be animated carbon. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to go back into the ground and it's going to, you're going to start over. And so oftentimes people talk about, Oh, you know, we got to save the planet. Like, no, we don't need, we need to save ourselves. The planet will yeah. be fine. Like she's, she can that's, get rid of us. She's got weapons. That, that's sort of the, that sort of goes like to one of my favorite sayings uh, like uh, with agriculture is uh, 
oh, we got to take these shortcuts or do this to feed the world. No, you need to feed your neighbors. And yeah, you feed your neighbors. And the sun, oftentimes people don't think about the sun already powers the world. Yeah. You know, we did just, just the way that we consume, we have to create more power to do the, the leisurely and the, you know, we to drive, to transport everything, you know, to bring all the, the, the amenities that we're used to. Um, that's that's what we have to create the additional energy for for our homes and and for um, just the way society functions. And there's there's numerous ways to do that, but the, the planet already provides, or the sun already provides enough energy. You know, I think in, in two days and three days, the way the sun emit, the, the the radiant energy that comes from the sun is as much as all of the oil reserves on the planet in two days. Yep, I've heard that. I've heard similar statistics to that too it's yeah. like that is a tremendous amount of energy and just because people are like oh you know photovoltaic can't can't handle that or concentrated solar i was like well that's not the natural like anything that we've done well as a society we've mimicked nature you know whether it's a plane or whether it's a submarine or whether it's an animal or or a bird or or, or whatever the case may be, that's that's why we're successful. Is we're we're able to adapt to the environment that allows us to live on it. Yeah, you know, it's like it's not the other way around. Like we don't um, tell the planet what to do, and it and it and it listens. Like we listen to the planet, and if we don't, it gets louder and louder. You know, it's got all these. It's got natural disasters. You know, it's got plague. It's got viruses. It's got disease, and so okay. it's. That's somewhat the nutrition, the nutrition in the soil is something that just recently dawned on me. The we've our actions have caused the soil to have less um, vibrant sort of minerals and stuff to put back into the plants. Okay. So we've been we've been farming in these same places for years and years, hundreds of years, and we've depleted the soil down to the point where it's no longer giving us calorie enriched nutritious food and if that's not a way of the planet say look you're you're not this is not working in the in the whole ecological system you're taking more than you you, sh you should be as a species and i think when we start getting really uh homocentric about the our role in the greater ecosystem that we're way off base a lot because uh i think we're very close to really a real uh, tipping point for our species. I don't think we're going to go completely extinct, but I mean, the agriculture is telling us that what we're doing is not what is not. I don't know if we have too much population or we're not. It's our some of it's our practices, but the our food system is telling us that we are failing. I mean, I, th I think we're one of the only animals on the planet that destroys its own environment. Yeah. So. So. And I think it's just, and it's not, I don't think we're that bad off. We just make, just make some more conscious, uh, forward-thinking decisions, more long-term decisions in places where we've been making short-term decisions. And I think we could really right a lot of the ship. But um, I, I totally, I mean, that's that's yeah. the, the gift of human ingenuity. Anytime we've been faced against tremendous challenges, we figure it out, you know, because yeah. it's like, we're God-given abilities, you know, to do things. And so 
if we're created in, and this is may or may not be a controversial statement, but if we're created in God's image, we're God-like. And so we need to act like it. You know, if, if um, we have this one planet, it's like, doesn't make sense to go talk about going to Mars and, you know, going all these places, um, you know, shout out to Elon. I mean, you know, big, big dreamer, but it's like, we got to be able to handle our own planet before we start going to terraform others. Um, right. Let the prototyping happen here. Um, and then we can go like, like Biosphere 2 in Tucson. Uh, my, my father used to work there when he was uh, finishing his PhD down at U of A. And they said they've created a biosimulated environment that has, you know, the, the, the tides like the ocean, which act like lungs and, and do all those things. And so we, we've started doing those things, you know, but the, that information is pretty, pretty tight on, on, uh, you know, how it's actually working and, and, you know, what, what's, what's the next phases of that, you know, so we're, we're really going into a very transparent model of like, yeah, if you have some of these solutions, Let's see if we can promote you and help you scale these things and connect you with your stakeholders. And that's that seems to be something. I gotta I gotta shut this off here. <laughs> Somebody really wants to talk to you. That's probably good because it's about we're about about an hour anyway. So, um, oh, let's let's what happened? Uh, I I muted you on my computer instead of my phone. <laughs> I, thought, I was like, oh, lost lost audio. So, um. Things that, I guess, what do you think is the, what do you see in the future as, what, what would be your worst possible outcome? Like, you do the climate summit, what is the thing that you don't want to see come out of it? I mean, like, what's the worst possible outcome that you can see? It doesn't even have to be the climate summit. It just could be, of all the things that you're working towards, what is the thing that you fear not happening the most? Uh, kind of just inaction like that. That would probably be my biggest fear is like no one does anything about it, you know, but I really, I, I, I try not to focus on the fear side of it, you know, cause that it has a negative connotation to it. Um, it doesn't give me good feelings. And so it's almost like, uh, you know, it, not to manifest those things and strictly, you know, you kind of trick yourself into this is going to be a successful event. Why? Because I'm going to make it successful. And it takes a lot of energy to do that, you know, but, and you, you really got to start, um, you got to start with smaller things that are, you know, kind of achievable, you know, to where it's like, oh, you can build momentum, you can build your confidence up. And this is really a, a, a challenge for me. There's like, this hasn't been easy, you know, by any means. And so I'm really testing my boundaries out. And, you know, my father is, you know, they're supporting about that. And, you know, he's planning the, to, do some, I mean, he's a historian. He's got some screenplays that uh, we've been, you know, kind of developing and, and hopefully be able to get into the movie making side of things. Um, so that's really exciting for us, you know, cause then you can tell stories in a, in a, uh, a very creative way in, in, in an expression that allows you to reach people, um, you know, 10, hundred X. And so this is really a foundational event, you know, for us, it feels like, all right, now just a new chapter, you know. So yeah. this this is the, this isn't the old events that we've done. Like this is a, the hybrid model, of of like okay, we're taking the 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 reach and the capabilities of a, a broadcast production, you know. And you're you're partnering with YouTube. We have a partnership with Google around ad grants, 
um, you know, some Salesforce, some GrantStation. So some some pieces that we we didn't have before. You know, we got a marketing team building our website. You know, we got a um, another nonprofit. You know, helping with some fundraising. And so it's it's um, been a long time, you know, coming, but it's getting to a point now where you get you're getting all these interested stakeholders wanting to help a little bit. And yeah. that takes so much pressure off of me and and my dad having to run every piece of that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. She got it. We got um, yoga class starting up. So. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Oh no problem. No worries. We just call this texture. <laughs> yeah, this is content. <laughs> yes. Okay. We're back. Well, I guess. Oh, I lost that. I was trying to go back and figure out. I was listening, but I can't. Oh, just just coming to. Uh, I wanted to pull on. Let's go back to social. What are talking about? It's it's really you know kind of when you, yeah. when you when you talk about social impact, that's that's our goal. It's like somebody asked me, it's like, what do you uh, hope to achieve at the the Carbon Summit event? I just want to inspire hope. You know, like like that's what I'm looking for. And so it's like if I'm looking for that, probably other people are looking for that. And it's like I like to learn. I, I'm I'm a continual student. And so a lot of these people, it's really kind of like a learning exercise. And and if if people are willing to sponsor it and people are willing to donate to allow us to do more of this, it's like yeah, like this this sounds like I mean, uh, it's it makes sense to me. Like it's like okay, like people are paying me to 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 solve these big problems. Yeah, and I think this is a this type of uh, sort of an open ended enterprise is unique in the information age and i think that i've i've began to find that there's definitely some generational paradigms that um i think once people see it work then they understand that you are going to create something and something's going there's there's going to be the genesis of some people working together and finding synergies on projects that they're working on and while um, there's going to be value there, but it's really a hard value to explain in the beginning of it. It's like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You got you to gotta prove it. You just got to go out and prove that concept because people will be like, oh, that sounds good. Um, in theory, yeah. and, and it's like, there's probably something I can do um, to help you, but I don't know what that is. And so you have to give these options for people to participate um, until they realize that they can just join you know, and, and yeah. bring what they care about into the conversation or be a conversation. Yeah. So and real quick, what are, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's okay. I, I, um, what is, what are the best possible outcomes that you're looking for? Um, we get a hold of, you know, the department of energy, we get we get a hold of the Biden administration. Um, we get a hold of the UN, you know, we get a hold of, I've, I've talked to the, the CEO of Nestle, uh, ExxonMobil, um, you know, a lot of these, these, these Fortune 100 companies. And they're like, well, we can't support you in Idaho because we don't necessarily know what you're doing yet. Uh, <laughs> but let us know what you're doing after this. And yeah. so I basically got to prove the prototype, you know, to where they can trust it. Like I'm not, 
Uh, there's no ill will intended to, there's no calling anybody out. It's just really focused on opportunities. And that's to say, like, we just, I, I, my generation or, or me personally want to have opportunities to take action to solve these problems and work hand in hand with NGOs, corporations, governments, um, administrations, whether it's federal, state, local level, and to say, hey, just give us a chance, you know, here. And that's really all we're asking. And let us, let us prove the, the pudding, I guess you could say. You know, let, let us um, show you what we can do and work with us. And let's let's get to work on some of these these challenges. No, I I uh, I really like the energy of this project. So the carbon summit's finished. You've done the one in New Mexico. You've done the one in uh, the Netherlands at the Hague. What's the future look like after you've done this trilogy of summits? What what's your what's the future that you see after? Uh, I just retired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm um, three and out. So that's that's what it is. Uh, no, but the, yeah, they're 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 meant to be annual events, and so ideally, you you Im you implement the stakeholders that are there, uh, and you give them this thing, you know, to where they can have this ecosystem and they can see it develop, and it's really kind of like a we become advisors in the sense that make sure the branding's still there, the messaging. The speakers, you know, keep getting better and better, and it becomes uh, not necessarily a think tank, but it, it, it becomes a, an actionable, you know, program, it, it, an actual event that really um, it's it, it, it's a catalyzer, it's a generator, you know, to where it's like if you're in this ecosystem, good things will happen for you because that's the way it's being built out. That's that's a that's a great way to sum it up. Um, a catalyzer. If you're in the ecosystem, good things are going to happen to you. Yeah, you're plugging in. You're plugging into this thing, yeah. and it's um, it, it eventually it's going to hit this um, this this momentum point where it'll just start growing itself. Yeah, this is the thing. I think this is the reason why I'm drawn to events like this, and I'm excited about this one. Is because everybody's plugging themselves in. Sometimes when you work in groups. There's a hesitancy to be the first one, or yeah. somebody's trying to protect something, or they don't trust something about something. But in an event like this, you come of your own fruition and you engage at your own of your own fruition, and you partner, you make the partnerships with other like-minded people that also made that um, those steps to come and do something that's a little bit askew from normal. And uh, really, I think that the ecosystem of the that you're creating for and the type of people that you're going to draw in is, is just going to be fascinating. I can't even imagine what kind of energy. And as each one builds, I think it will be. Uh, so I, I, I have high expectations for the event, but um, and I'm not trying to put any pressure on you or anything. But um, I think what you, I think everything that you talked to you, you can in our conversation, I can tell you really thought it all through. So. Um, I hope that people listen to this and uh, and try and find a way to get to one of the three events, either the first one or some of the ones in the future. Yeah, and, and it's like it's no rush, you know, on, on some of these things. Like there's an urgency to, to take action, like from, from my standpoint, but it's at every, everyone has their own volition, you know, like to where you're, it's your timing. You know, once you feel like you're, you're called or you're compelled to, to do something, you probably will. 
but yeah. until then, um, if, if we don't have enough value for you yet, you know, just stay tuned. Um, you know, we're building things out. You know, systems and infrastructure takes time. Even if it's digital, it, uh, it may, that's, 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 that's a big transition for, I think, farmers and ranchers is your operation, your land and your cattle and your, and your, your produce or, or your, your farm, though that's all things you can see visible you know, visibly, like, you know, that that's working because you see it working. Uh, when you go to the web and you go to websites and you go to marketing and all these things, you don't really see where that's going, you know, until somebody shows you how to like what it does. And that's, that's where we're the phase that we're in. Like we just put up a new website, you know, we got these Google ads that are, that are running, driving traffic to the websites. So there's a lot of behind the scenes things that people don't see until they're built. And they're like, oh, you guys just had that. You know, I checked your website two months ago, and uh, now that's not the same one. <laughs> you know, so, like that infrastructure takes time. Yeah. So I got to be patient with myself. I, you know, when you're working with governments or or cities or you know county commissioners and things, they're slow. You know, so you have to be very patient, and they're they're really thinking about it. You know, some some people are really thinking about it. Other people are like, oh, somebody's already doing that. It's like we're already working with those people. And so you, it's just a lot of awareness, a lot of education. And you just try to, you know, bring in top talent, you know, in the sense of, you know, you, you try to get as high as you can go for that event, you know, without really, you know, from a budgetary standpoint, not overexerting yourself or making it too risky. And that's where we need sponsors. You know, that's where we need partners. And that's where we we're starting to write grants and all these things. So it's going to happen, you know, but, you know, we're on a timeline and luckily we got a production broadcast team that's going to be taking over all the day-to-day -day operations at the event. So I don't have to do that. And that's, you know, that's um, a huge, you know, piece of, of event infrastructure that we haven't had in the past. And so we're evolving, you know, just like everyone else is trying to do. It's like, all right, we're all want to be a little bit better. How do we make things easier? You know, how do we, you know, kind of delegate and, and um, you know, uh, share these responsibilities? And so it's coming along. So any parting thoughts? We hit an hour pretty fast. Yeah, hit an hour pretty fast. Um, <laughs> I guess I can be on a tangent now and again. Uh, but I'd say if, if people want to, you know, participate, they can go to carbonsummit.org. That's a, that's a living, you know, kind of website. It's a work in progress. If they're on LinkedIn, they can check out the Carbon Summit Showcase page. Um, US Energy is, you know, usenergy.org is you know, kind of more of like a, an agency style, but we're a 51 c 3 And so if people want to, you know, get involved in this conversation, our models kind of work with us, they go to usenergy.org, or they can send me an email at hq at usenergy.org. Um, feel free to send me a message if, they, if they'd like to get involved in any way. And so, yeah, I mean, that's 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 a solid hour. I feel like. Yeah. No. And I I have to say that Jason and I drove around a truck. We talked about this three months ago. We didn't even get to touch on that kind of stuff. And we talked like this the entire day that we drove around. And uh, just uh, it's nice to find kindred spirits in the world. And so yeah, Jason and I have always have a good conversation. So. I'm hoping that he's not too swamped. And after the uh, sometime in towards the end of the summer or fall, we can uh, circle back around and see how everything got went and what's next. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, hopefully that, that New Mexico event, um, 
ideally it's in New Mexico. Um, I just think it's a great idea. And so we got, we got some prospects in Texas too, and maybe even one in Denver. So yeah, once we, we get past this carbon summit event here in June, um, let's, let's reconnect and, and we'll give an update. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, Rich. Hopefully that's, uh, added uh, some good info there. So appreciate yeah. you having me on and, and, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Wait, don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Oh, we'll have to.